All right. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate uh, everybody being here today. Uh, this is a uh, presentation that we have revamped uh, for this year because we've got some 2023 information in here. Uh, you may have heard one of our presentations before, and we do have uh, some additional information in here that might be of benefit. This is also uh, the time of year when you're going hit, to get hit smacked in the face with, with uh, trading or trading and taxation. So now is the time to start thinking about things. And so we're going to cover some of that. So, so you can actually, there's a few things you can do for 2022, but for 2023, you may have to apply some of this. But anyway, my name is Jerry Allison. I'm a CPA with Traders Accounting. And uh, I do, I'm doing all these tax returns and I'm helping clients and we're doing the best to save them some money. So hopefully we can present some stuff here today that's uh, beneficial to you too. Um, before we get going, uh, I do want to uh, present a disclaimer here, uh, make the lawyers happy. To the best of our knowledge, this information is accurate as of the presentation date. I did make some uh, changes this morning, nothing major, but uh, I'm constantly reviewing this thing to make sure it's up to date. And tax changes do happen constantly. Uh, so prior to using this information, you should consult uh, with your tax professional. And that brings up an interesting point. I was listening to uh, Maria or Marina in the last presentation there at the end, and she made a statement. It doesn't matter what you think you know, and I'm paraphrasing here because there's a lot to it. It doesn't matter what you think you know, but it's your ego is not going to save you when things go wrong. And that's true with this stuff. You really need to sack to find some tax professional that you can get some guidance on, on this stuff, because things do change and there's a lot of misinformation out on the internet. So uh, uh, please get a tax professional if you're going to use any of this stuff. Uh, the presentation does not present a professional or confidential relationship between you, me, or Traders Accounting. And Traders Accounting is not a law firm. And so the information provided here should not be construed as legal advice. Now, let me give you our contact information here. Um, I'm also going to uh, put this link right here into the chat. So if you'll give me just a second, oops, I'm going to go backwards there. We do have the, the website there. Uh, this is a special link uh, that you can go to. Um, and what it is, it's a it's a link. And of course, I'm not even there yet. So wait a minute, what's going on here? There we go. This link right here. Uh, it's a very special link. Uh, it actually goes back and get, and gets you to an ebook. Um, and what the ebook is that uh, you can use that for uh, to to download this ebook. It's got a lot of the information. Uh, that I'm going to be presenting today. And uh, I'm going to put that link in the chat right there because it is a complicated link. And that way you've got it right there in the chat. Um, now, uh, we also have our phone numbers 800-938-9513. And our email is learn at tradersaccounting.com. And I'm going to review this or bring this back up at the end of the presentation. So don't worry if you didn't get it at the moment. So let's go ahead and get into the nuts and bolts of this thing. Let's start with some basic information about trading. And a lot of our basis with the IRS of things it comes from publication 550. Uh, if you want to download that from the IRS, you can just go to the IRS website and in their search engine, put publication 550. You can download it to your computer. It has everything about investing, uh, interest, dividends, uh, bonds, um, 
options uh, and, and it talks about a lot of the stuff we're talking about, um, not quite in the detail or the format that we have here. But one thing that is particularly true, that if you're serious about trading, you need to treat it like a business. The IRS is going to require that if you want to start deducting expenses and if you want to do mark to market and some other things, we'll go through all of this, but you have to be serious about it. Even if you are just trading and you don't really care about that, some of that stuff, you really need to think about your trading as a business. And the reasons for that, you need to be concerned about your cash flow. Every business should think about their cash flow. That's cash in as well as cash out. You all are taking uh, training sessions. You all are going through this stuff. Uh, Marina presented a particular class last that, that will help the income, your income coming in, how to trade better. And we get focused on the money coming in, but sometimes business people, uh, particularly in traders, don't pay attention to the cash going out. Uh, how much are you paying for the trading cash, uh, trading uh, training sessions? How much are you paying in taxes? How much are you paying for your subscriptions? Uh, things like that. Is Are there ways to do things better? So you want to make sure that you're not only concentrating on getting money coming in, but also watch the money going out as well and make sure everything pays for itself. Secondly, make the financial decisions based on business needs, not the tax code. This is actually... Well, we're out of it now, but last month, December is actually a very dangerous time of year for business owners, whether traders or not, because they start thinking, oh, I've got all this profit, so I need to go out and buy something um, in order to get a tax deduction. And that is very bad uh, thinking right there. That will mess up your business and, and, and mess up your uh, cash flow, quite frankly. Um, matter of fact, one example I had as I was doing accounting for uh, an automobile repair mechanic here uh, about 20 years ago or so. And he came up to me in December and wanted to buy this tire repair machine. And he was going to spend $20,000 on it to get a $6,000 tax deduction. And I asked him, how often are you going to be using this tire machine? Oh, once or twice a year. That tire machine never would pay for itself. You do not need to be make, buying things that don't pay for themselves. Everything you do in the business and in your trading business should be making money for you directly or indirectly. So don't make financial decisions based on the tax code. It will mess things up considerably. Also, you need to be aware of all your tax and protection options. We're going to go through some of these. We can't go through every little nitty-gritty detail uh, today, but we're going to get, hit a lot of them. And some of them we're going to be hitting. First of all, we're going to be talking about trader tax status. And this is for all traders. It doesn't matter who's trading. Uh, if you meet the qualifications, this will let you deduct expenses on your tax return. And by the way, this is still one of those things that still can be done for 2022 if you meet the qualifications. So uh, if you meet the qualifications, feel free to get those expenses together and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Then we're gonna move into entities. A lot of people talk about, should I set up an entity for trading? We are gonna talk about the reasons why or why not and which ones are or are not good for traders. And then we're going to close out with a mark-to-market -mark election. This is only for stocks and options traders. Uh, it only applies to them. So uh, we're going to be looking at these things in the, that order. Now, let me go ahead and get on to, to trader tax status. Trader tax status is discussed in Publication 550. And what this is, is a way for traders of anything 
to be able to deduct expenses on their tax return, whether it's a, a business tax return or a personal tax return. It can go either way, uh, but it's a choice that you make. It's not an election or something you have to file with the IRS. So this can still be done for last year if you meet the criteria. Well, the criteria come from court cases. The uh, publication 550 does not specify or give any definite criteria. Basically says you need to be treating it as if it's a, a job. Uh, you need to be devoted to it. You need to give consistent and a consistent attention to it, which doesn't tell anybody anything. And so we have to rely on people going to court after the IRS has harassed them. And the court then makes a decision. So these are uh, uh, criteria that have come out of court cases. And so we know that if you meet these criteria, you're going to be okay. If you don't meet these criteria, it's very possible you might be okay, but you might have to take it to court. Uh, so it's a very gray area. And there's a lot of gray areas in this area. First one, you have to be making 700 trades in a year. Now, if you buy something, and then you sell it, that's two trades right there. So most people who are doing day trading have no problem with that. Swing traders might have, might get close to it. But this is the criteria coming out of a court. You need to be having this many trades in a year. Number two, there's trading in over 75% of the trading days per year. In other words, you have to put a good amount of the, the year into this to show you're actually running a business here. That's what the IRS is looking for. Um, for example, if you owned a different uh, a business, like a restaurant or something, you don't uh, operate for one month and take a month off. You need to be consistently doing that. And so the IRS is gonna hold uh, that standard to traders as well. So 75% of the trading days, you can take some time off, but not significant amounts. And you also have to put in 500 hours of trading, research, and education. Trading and research, we understand that education is what you're doing right now. You're attending uh, this session, you're, you've attended other sessions or will attend other sessions. That's all time that you can be adding up. I would suggest very strongly that you keep a log of what you're doing. The first two criteria here, you can justify that by giving um, an IRS examiner uh, your 1099B and your monthly statements from your broker. Bam, add them up and see what was going on um, and just let them calculate that. The 500 hours, that's not provable on those statements. So it's probably a good idea for you to keep a log of what you're doing. Okay, now here's an important point. The tax savings depend upon your current tax bracket. Uh, most people, they, if they don't do it on their personal return, trade on their personal return, they pay, trade in an entity and most entities are pass-through entities, which means it comes right back to their personal return, it just comes back in a different way. And so if you are in the 37% tax bracket, every dollar you write off, you're going to save 37 cents. However, if you're in the 24% tax bracket, for every dollar you write off, you're only going to save 24 cents. Uh, and so, you know, it depends on if you're in the higher tax bracket, this becomes more and more important for you to do. Now, I do have a warning here because we're, we're going to talk about LLCs in a little bit, but I want to talk about this warning as far as individual investors, people who invest on their own personal tax return. If you do trader tax status and deduct expenses, then what's going to happen is you're going to deduct those expenses on the personal tax return using a Schedule C. 
Now, uh, you can go to the IRS and look up a Schedule C. It, it's a very common form. It attaches to um, your, uh, your personal return. It's basically a small business return. And what you'll find is that at the top of that, there's income. And at the bottom there, you can list expenses on there. For traders, your income doesn't go on a Schedule C. It goes on a Schedule D. Uh, but the expenses go on that Schedule C. Okay, so uh, there's no income, you've got uh, just expenses on that Schedule C, which means technically you have a net loss on the Schedule C. That creates some problems here. Here's one. Number one, your audit risk is increased. There's two things that happen here. One, the Schedule C is almost automatically, well, I don't say automatically looked at by the IRS, but it is something, it's the most commonly looked at item over everything, corporations, partnerships, everything, that Schedule C is, is probably is the most likely to get audited. And the reason for that, you are putting on numbers there that they can't verify. Uh, you're, you, know, you, you put $15,000 in subscriptions down there, they can't verify that. So if it looks strange to them or they just decide they don't like your return, they're going to come and ask you, okay, prove that. And you might say that, well, I can prove that, but do you have time to prove it? This is another thing that happens. You know, audit, a lot of people think, well, I could handle an audit. Well, do you have 10 to 20 hours to take out to do that? Time is money. That's one possibility if you do this on your personal tax return. Second of all, there's no home office deduction. Now, if you read out there, oh, yeah, there's a home office deduction for a Schedule C. There is, except... If you go down and you look at that line below the expenses and, and on the Schedule C, there's a line for home office deductions, a very special place. And if you go back to the form where you fill out the home office deduction, which is a separate form, you'll find out that once you calculate your home office deduction, if you have a loss or a, a, a well, net negative profit or, or net loss on the Schedule C, then you have to take the home office deduction and defer it to next year. So if you have a loss on your Schedule C, you can't take the home office deduction this year. It gets deferred. Well, for traders, you never, ever have a profit because it's only expenses. And so that home office deduction gets deferred later and later and later. Now, you may see out there on the internet, some people say, well, let's just take some of the, the, the income and move it from Schedule D into Schedule C. And that, I think, is extremely problematic. It's like if you have a W-2 job and you just decide, well, I'm not going to put it in the W-2 category. I'm going to put it into long-term capital gains and just get a 20% rate on it. It ain't going to work. The IRS is going to have a cow over that if they find it. So really, technically, no home office deduction. Now, there's something beneficial here in a little bit. We'll talk about that. There may be no asset protection. Now, if you trade as an individual, and you get sued, let's say you have a car accident and your insurance is not enough or something happens, somebody gets uh, injured on your property or whatever, and the insurance is not enough, uh, then they can go after your assets. Now your trading assets are possibly at risk. Now there are trusts and other things that you can use. That's why I said there may be no asset protection, but trading as an individual can be extremely risky in that respect. Number four, there is a problem with the IRS. If you have a W-2 job and you're an active trader, for whatever reason, the IRS doesn't like that. They don't think that you can do a full-time W-2 job and be a full-time trader at the same time. 
Now, this is for one person. You can say, well, my wife has a job and I'm trading. So that's not a problem. It's when you or you, whether male or female, uh, you have the W-2 job and you are the full-time trader. That begins to be a problem. So be aware of all four of those problems there that occur if you're trading on your personal tax return. So having said that, Trader tax status, you can write off expenses on your tax return if you meet the criteria. If you're going to do it as an individual, you can do it on Schedule C. And personally, if you're going to do it for one year, I don't think it's too risky. You just go ahead and do it and get it done. But the solution to some of these problems right here is actually this. It has to do with entities. So this is why we're going to dovetail into talking about entities. There's several types of entities. You have sole proprietorships, single member LLC, general partnerships, limited partnerships, multi-member LLCs, S corporations, LLC S corporations, C corporations, and LLC C corporations. That's a lot of stuff. And we're going to weed some of this stuff out right now. A sole proprietorship is what I was just talking about, is trading as an individual on your personal tax return. You're deducting those expenses on the Schedule C. Um, that's what a sole proprietorship is. And quite frankly, that creates all kinds of problems. But a single member LLC does exactly the same thing. It puts it right back on your personal tax return on that Schedule C. Um, so it doesn't do anything for you except maybe give you some asset protection. But it doesn't solve that audit risk problem. It doesn't solve the W-2 conflict with trading, et cetera. So for traders and traders only, single member LLCs do not do anything for you. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> that leaves a bunch of other stuff, basically partnerships, S corporations, and C corporations. The type of entity that's right for you depends upon your situation, which is why we go back to you really need to talk to a tax professional and get some guidance. I'm going to give you where what we do and we what we talk about uh, with our clients at Traders Accounting, but you really need to talk to somebody to make sure this is right for you and develop a plan for the future as well. Now, generally speaking, we at Traders Accounting recommend a multi-member LLC. Now, that is a partnership. Quite frankly, it defaults to a partnership, but I'm going to talk about why we recommend that. Now, before I talk about the pros of it, the cons are two things. You do have a yearly multi-member LLC fee with your state. Generally, some there's a handful of states that once you set up the LLC, you don't have to pay for it anymore. Um, that's uh, Arizona is one of those. But uh, generally speaking, most states have a yearly fee to keep registered, and you're going to have a tax prep fee. The reason for the tax prep fee is we have to get this off of your personal tax return because if it stays on your personal tax return at Schedule C, <clears throat> you increase audit risk and all the other problems that are associated with it. So we need a partnership return or we need an S-corp return or if possibly a C-corp return. All of those are separate returns, so you're going to have an extra ta tax prep fee. Those are the cons. Now, let's talk about the pros of a multi-member LLC. First of all, an LLC, including a single member LLC, will give you asset protection. Uh, what happens in the LLC stays within the LLC. What happens outside the LLC stays outside. Now, that depends upon what your, which state you're in also. Uh, every state has different LLC protections, so you're going to want to probably talk to an, a, an LLC attorney in your state to find out the exact thing that you have. Um, uh, so... Uh, 
we 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 design this thing so that uh, you can you do have some asset protection. You do have a choice in taxation methods, and this is something that's absolutely critical right here. Um, you, if you have an LLC, a multi-member LLC, let's say you have a choice at the beginning of being taxed as a partnership, an S corp, or a C corp. You can choose. IRS doesn't care as long as you file it within a certain amount of time. And every year you can file with the IRS and say, I want to be taxed this other way. Generally, the default way is a partnership. And that's how we start off for particular reasons, because you really need to uh, actually build things up and get that base started. But later on, if you want to go the S corporation route, we file an election with the IRS to be treated like an S corporation. Uh, that has certain benefits. Um, you, be, you can be treated like a C corporation. That has some benefits, but they also have some liabilities. So again, you need to talk to a tax professional. <clears throat> Number three, a reduction in IRS scrutiny. What we have seen is the IRS um, really tends to look at individual taxpayers and light items there. They really don't as much examine off return, what I'm calling off individual returns like partnerships, S corporations and that as much unless there's a glaring problem. I saw an article the other day from Syracuse University. Now, if you remember back when all the hoopla was the Congress passed the funding for the 87,000 new IRS agents. And of course, people were going berserk and the IRS came out and said, you know, <clears throat> these agents are not going to, to audit uh, individual taxpayers. They're going to go after big corporations and, and rich taxpayers and all that stuff because we need all that extra stuff. And I started telling my clients at that point that that's not true because they're going to go after the low-hanging fruit. Why would they bottle up, let's say, uh, 50 auditors going after this huge corporation It's going and all of it's going to get tied up for years when you could take one auditor and you can go after an individual taxpayer and maybe soak a hundred, a couple thousand dollars out of them. The reason is these big corporations, people who are making tons of money, have lawyers and can afford to bottle this thing up for years. Most normal taxpayers, where the money is, quite frankly, uh, can't do that. And so they're going to settle. And the reason I'm saying that now is because I read this article or about a, a study done by Syracuse University recently, and they examined who the IRS was auditing. They're not going after big corporations. They're not going after um, rich people. They are going after the smaller taxpayer who cannot defend themselves, who is more likely to settle. And that will take maybe an hour of an IRS examiner's time, get a couple thousand dollars out of them, move on to the next one. It's much more, I hate to say it, it's much more business efficient and raises a whole lot more revenue than tying a bunch of people up for several years trying to get a couple million dollars out of a company. So um, getting your the IRS view off your personal return is extremely critical. Number four, that home office deduction that I talked about a little bit ago, that comes back to you. See, the only limitation to that is on the Schedule C. And if we get rid of that Schedule C for a multi-member LLC, you get to do that again. So you get this deduction. The IRS just will pay a simple $5 per square foot up to 300 square feet. So a minimum, a maximum of $1,500 if you use a simplified method. If you want to itemize your deductions, you can take the percentage of your square footage of your office versus your home or apartment, 
and write off a percentage of your mortgage interest, your real estate taxes, your rent if you rent, um, utilities, uh, 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 insurance, all this stuff that goes into that. And you get that again. In most cases with people, I found we can get at least $1,500 to $2,000 in home office deduction. Now hang on to that number for a minute. Number five, getting this trading business off of your personal tax return onto, say, a partnership return, which is a multi-member LLC default, it solves that W-2 trading issue. You don't have that anymore because the IRS now looks at you've got a W-2 on your personal return, and now the partnership is a pass-through entity. It still passes everything back to your personal return. However, it goes on the Schedule E. And it looks like you're investing in this business. So now you have a W-2 job and you have an investment. It solves that problem uh, that you had. The other problem it has, it makes your really makes your personal return much more concrete because now your W-2 has been reported to the IRS. So they know you can't fudge that. Um, the, the partnership gets reported to the IRS. And so when you put those K-1s, which you get from the partnership, and you put the numbers on your personal return, that's already been reported to the IRS. So they're not going to dispute the numbers on your return unless they disagree with the numbers that the IRS already has. So what I'm saying here is you've got stuff that's already been validated with the IRS on your return if you move it off your return. So your personal return becomes much, much more ironclad. Number six. Now we'll get to this in a little bit, but it solves the mark-to-market long-term, short-term dilemma. And let me explain what that is really briefly. With mark-to-market, uh, for you stocks and options traders, you do not want to put long-term assets under mark-to-market or you lose the long-term capital gains rate of the maximum of 20%. You don't want to do that. You got stock that's appreciated twenty, thirty thousand dollars. You don't want to be paying tax on that appreciation every, and you lose that twenty percent. You want to wait until you sell it five, ten years down the road, and then whatever your gain, the maximum you can pay right now is twenty percent on that. So what we do is we say tell our clients keep your long term assets on your personal side and put the short term day trading or swing trading. Uh, securities, put that on the business side, the multi-member LLC side. And that way they're separated as far as they can be. The mark-to-market is on, the election is on the business side, the LLC side, but on your personal side, there's no mark-to-market term stuff. And so it just breaks everything apart so the IRS doesn't really look at it. Now, I know some of you are asking some questions. I'm going to pause right here before I go to point number seven. Um, <clears throat> 700 trades open and close combined? No. Uh, I think I mentioned this, that you, if you buy something, that's one trade. If you go sell it the same day, that's another trade. So that's two trades right there. Uh, so uh, even lots, if you start thinking about lots, uh, every lot is a different trade. So that's uh, very important because it's easy to get to that 700 trades. Uh, next question, how do you plan for a multi-member LLC if you're single? We have a lot of people like that. Uh, one, you could get a family member, another family member where who owns 1% and you own 99% of the multi-member LLC. That's one possibility. Two, we could set up a what we call a family trust. It's an irrevocable trust that gets 1% of the profits and you still take 99%. Now that's on paper. Um, you do not have to actually put it in the trust until you pass away. And of course, at that point, you really don't care anymore anyway. Um, so the trust is basically a paper owner. So now you've got your other partner. 
There are other complex things. We could set up a single member LLC that could be your second partner in a multi-member LLC. That gets a little more complex. For those of you who have already maybe a C corporation or S corporation or another partnership or even a single member LLC already, those can be your second partner. Uh, so that works out. There's a lot of ways to do this, but that goes to the next question here. Uh, husband and wife filing joint. Yes, we have a lot of husband and wife teams that actually are, become a partnership. So the husband owns part of it, the wife owns part of it, and one of them does the trading. We have some wives that do the trading and the husband doesn't do anything. And so some that where the, the husband does a lot of trading, the wife doesn't do anything. The other person is just a placeholder. So there's a lot of different options to get this thing done. All right, let me go now to point number seven here on this one, because this one is actually brand new. We have uh, looked at this uh, for the last, at the end of last year, and it's something that's actually astounding. The tax savings that you make on the, the multi-member LLC can pay for it. Now, remember what I said up here at the top of this slide, uh, the cons are you've got a yearly multi-member LLC fee and a tax prep fee. How would you like the government to pay for that? Through refunds. And we could get the refunds enough to do that. Let me give you an example so I can show you what I'm talking about. <clears throat> the idea here is if you already have yearly trading expenses, the refund you get from deducting those expenses could pay for the yearly multi-member LLC fee. Now, it doesn't matter whether you go S-Corp or C-Corp or partnership, same thing. And the tax prep fee, you can get enough. Remember what I said a little bit about, ago about home office deduction and hang on to that number? A lot of people get $1,500 to $2,000 back just for their home office deduction. In a lot of cases, and that's the deduction, deduction you pick up by going to the multi-member LLC. A lot of times that's enough to give you a refund enough to pay for the LLC. For example, let's assume a person lives in Oregon. Now, let me stop here. A lot of this, these numbers depend upon the state you're in. It depends upon uh, the LLC, yearly LLC. It pays, depends upon your tax prep fee. It depends upon your tax bracket. So I'm just giving one example here, but let's suppose the person lives in Oregon. Now I looked this up this morning. The LLC fee in Oregon is $100 per year. And let's suppose your tax prep fee is $750 per year. So you have a total of $850 in extra expenses. Now, all the other expenses you might want to deduct on your Schedule C. These are the extra expenses for just having the LLC. I want, I want my partnership or my LLC to pay for that, that $850. All right, let's, let's make some other assumptions. Assume the person's in the 32% federal tax bracket and the 8.75% Oregon tax bracket. So you have a total bracket of 40.75%. So we would like to get enough in expenses to actually get a refund of $850 so that the LLC is free. And that's exactly what we're after. I've calculated this. This person needs at least $1,236 in trading expenses to get the government in refunds to pay for the LLC. Remember what I said about home office deduction that we can generally get $1,500 to $2,000 just out of your home office? Ding, 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 ding. That alone, picking up that deduction on the, on the multi-member LLC will be enough to pay for the LLC each year. Now, you want me to prove it? Let's go ahead and go through that. Here's the proof. Now let's recall, recall our trader has $850 in 
LLC expenses. That's the yearly fee. That's the tax prep fee. Those are the extra two expenses that you have by having an LLC. <clears throat> and let's put the taxpayer is in the 40.75% tax bracket, federal and Oregon combined. <clears throat> and I calculated that there's $1,236 in trading expenses. The more expenses that you would deduct, the better and the refund would pay for it. So let's just suppose they've got $1,236 in expenses they're gonna write out. These are extra expenses, not the $850 in uh, LLC expenses. They're extra expenses. So it could be home office deduction, could be subscriptions, could be training um, seminars, things like that. Anything, any expense that you have in trading. Most traders have that number easily. Now let's look at the proof here. Total deductible expenses, you got the $850 that you have in, in extra expenses and the $1,236 that you have in normal trading expenses you would have. So a total of $2,086. What we're going to do, that $2,086 goes on the tax return and it's going to get deducted at the tax rate. So if you take the $2,086 in expenses and you multiply it by the tax rate, you get $850 in refund. That's the exact amount of your LLC fee plus your tax prep fee. So all you need is $1,236 in this case to get the LLC to pay for itself, get the government to pay for it basically. Now, think about the expenses you got. What did you pay to attend the seminar today? Um, again, I was listening to Marina uh, in the in the prior section session, uh, she that if you subscribe to that, that's an expense. Uh, again, your home office deduction, any any data feeds you've got, your computer can be written off. Um, uh, the the home office or your furniture in your home office can be written off. Uh, margin interest, if you use margin interest, that's a huge amount. A lot of times, twelve hundred dollars. There's nothing to come up with. So <clears throat> I'm telling you, it's it's often very profitable for you to, to get your LLC set up, a multi-member LLC, and it will pay for itself in the long, quite frankly. All right, there's enough of that, some, something for you to chew on. Now, the trader tax status, that's expensing uh, expenses on your tax return. Um, <clears throat> we've talked about LLCs. We generally recommend a multi-member LLC because you have a lot of flexibility and, and taxing. Uh, you have a lot of ways of taking care of things, and you certainly can get the government to pay for it. All of that stuff, those two prior things, anybody can do, anybody. Uh, if they're trading, as long as they meet those criteria, not a problem. Now let's move on to the mark to market election. This is only for stocks and options traders, which probably most, if not all of you are. This is an election that can be made not by you personally, or it can also be made by a business entity. So whoever, however it's done, wherever the trading assets are, uh, that this election can be made. However, it is an election. So it has to be filed with the IRS. And we'll talk about that in a little bit ago, a little bit. But you also, if you do it on the individual side, you have to meet those trader tax status qualifications. That's one of the reasons I led with that is you have to meet those. If you lose those qualifications, in other words, you don't have 700 trades a year or you don't trade 75% of the trading days per year, you're going to lose mark to market as well. So it's very important on the personal side to keep those qualifications up. Whether you have to creep them up on the entity side with the LLCs, that's a little vague. Um, so some people say you have to keep those qualifications up just in case. Some people say, no, 
you don't because the IRS doesn't look at it that much. That's something you have to decide. Now, for those of you who trade stocks and options, you know that there's a couple problems, and one of those is wash sales. If you, if you sell something at a loss under a ticker symbol, it doesn't matter about the option or whether it's a stock, whatever. If it's under that ticker symbol and you sell it at a loss and then you buy anything under that ticker symbol, stock different or option with a different strike price, different expiration date, it doesn't matter. As If you buy something within 30 days, then that loss on the first sale moves to the second sale. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but what happens when you're doing a lot of trading, those losses can move forward and have a tendency to cross over December 31st. And so you have you have a group of losses that cross over December 31st, or in other words, those wash sale losses, you're going to end up paying taxes in 2022 and hoping to get that money back in 2023. Now, one sinister thing about that, you say, well, I'm going to get it back anyway. Well, there's the time value of money where you could really use the money now to, to invest. But wash sale losses, when you pay tax now, generally you pay in a higher tax bracket. When you get those losses back, you get to deduct them in a lower tax bracket. So end up, it ends up the IRS wins on that one. Well, the mark-to-market election eliminates wash sale losses. You don't have to worry about them anymore. Now, it's not just as simple as taking your 1099B and just just adding back the wash sale losses. It's not that simple. Um, I'll talk about it in a little bit as to how, but uh, you don't have to worry about wash sale losses anymore. The second thing it does, it eliminates the $3,000 loss deduction limitation. Let me explain this. Under normal accounting, if you take all your gains and losses for a year and add them together so that you have a net loss, for example, if I'm trading throughout 2022, and let's suppose when everything's added together, I actually lost $20,000. Under normal counting rules, I can only take $3,000 of that on my tax return and have to carry the remaining $17,000 forward to next year. And if I don't have any gains next year to offset those $17,000 of losses, I get another $3,000 and I carry the remaining $14,000 over. Uh, so it becomes problematic. You're not going to get that $3,000 or that $20,000 back right away. Um, additionally, it creates all kinds of problems. But, but, but as I said a little bit ago, remember this, when you end up paying tax on that $17,000 that you couldn't pay, couldn't use in the year, remember when you pay tax, you do it on a higher tax bracket. But when you take losses, generally that's in a lower tax bracket. So you end up feeding the IRS anyway. So the mark-to-market election eliminates the $3,000 loss limitation. If you lose $20,000 in a year, you get to write $20,000 off. And I've seen people under mark-to-market write off $50,000, $100,000, $250,000 in a year. And, if you use, and that goes against W-2 income. It goes against uh, 1099R pension income, things like that. And if you have loss left over, it carries forward to next year to offset any other income there. So it really is a great thing for traders of stocks and options. Uh, if you meet the TTS requirement, I suggest wholeheartedly uh, that you make the mark-to-mark -mark election. Now, how do you do that? Well, this is an election with the IRS. You have to let them know you're going to do it. And so you have to do this at the beginning of the year. And now is the time to do it for 2023. So if you want to make the mark-to-mark -mark election, you actually have to file. It's not, it's not a form. 
Now, people get that confused all the time. You just have to kind of write a letter to the IRS or put something with your tax return. But you have to do it as an individual. You have to do it by Mar April 15th of this year. Once we get to April 16th, you cannot do it anymore. Or if the tax returns are due on the 17th, you could do it to the 17th. Once the tax deadline goes by, you can't do it anymore. And there's no extensions to this. The publication 550 is very adamant about that. It has to be done by April 15th. For entities, existing entities, it has to be done by March 15th, with one exception. A brand new entity, you can elect it immediately. So for example, let's suppose today we started a, a multi-member LLC. We can elect Mark to Market right now. We could. Or if we wait till September and form a multi-member LLC, we can elect Mark to Market as soon as that thing is formed. Now, technically, we, we officially put that in our records, but the election doesn't have to be made until the first tax return. You can. This is the one time that Mark to Market is retroactive. So let me emphasize that there's only one time it's retroactive with the brand new entity you can file it with first tax return. You cannot, there is no way you can make a Mark to Market election now for 2022. It won't work. And I have people call me up almost every week, usually two or three times a week, wanting to do this, and it cannot be done. Publication 550 is very adamant about that. So if you want to make this election and you want to do it yourself, then Publication 550 tells exactly what you need to put in that letter. Um, if you want Traders Accounting to do it, if we do your tax return, we'll put it right with the tax return and make sure it gets done. And we'll make sure it's done by April 15th, <clears throat> but it has to be done by then. Uh, or you can do it for an entity as well. So now we've covered mark to market, um, which is for stocks and options traders that really gets around the wash sale losses and that $3,000 loss limitation. In other words, there are no more deferred losses. You pay tax exactly on what you did. And quite frankly, I didn't mention this, but when the mark to market, when you look at that for um, tax purposes, you take uh, what the account was worth at the beginning of the year and what it was worth at the end of the year and subtract them. If your account goes up, that's what you pay tax on. If your account goes down, you get to write all that off. Really, that's the simplistic way of looking at it. Now, someone may be thinking, well, what about if I take money in or take put money in or take money out or other stuff? That has to be accounted for too. But if you just put like say $10,000 in to an account and at the end of the year, it's $13,000 and you don't put anything in, you don't take anything out, you have a $3,000 gain, period. There's none of this wash sale stuff going on. Um, so it's really a, a pure way of paying taxes on what you actually made. That's really nice. So we've talked about mark to market. We talked about trader tax status, which is a requirement that you meet those criteria before making mark to market. And so trader tax status is deducting expenses. And then we talked about entities. Entities are great for getting around IRS scrutiny. They also protect your assets and they eliminate a whole bunch of problems, not to mention we can get the government to pay for it in expenses you're probably already going to deduct. <clears throat> so in summary, again, trader tax status allows you to deduct the trading expenses. Forming an LC provides asset protection, decreased audit crew scrutiny, and it could be free. And your mark-to-market election allows stocks and options traders to pay tax on what was really earned or write off entirely what was lost. So let me go back to our slide, our contact information. And, uh, <clears throat> and in this case, uh, before I turn it back over, uh, our contact information here, we have this website link. I'm going to put this into the chat one more time. 
So that everybody's got it there. You can copy it and you can go and you can download a free ebook. You do not have to, no obligation here. You can download it to a computer. Uh, matter of fact, last presentation I had, uh, it was a different link, but I had people doing it while, while I was talking about it. So uh, feel free to go do that and download that ebook. Our phone number is 800-938-9513. Uh, if you want to call us for a consultation to find out what's right for you, certainly do that. Um, our our uh, administrative assistant, Crystal, she'll answer the phone. <clears throat> she can get you all set up. If you want us to do your tax return or if you want uh, bookkeeping services or if you just you know, need us to set up an entity. We do that as well. Uh, we can set up the the trust. We can set up um, uh, any any state's LLC you want. So we can do all that. We can handle a whole ball of wax. And then, of course, you can email us if you have any questions. So let me go ahead and turn to, to the chat now. Certainly, if you've got any questions here um, uh, that need to be answered, we just had one pop up. And uh, when I, another one, do entities need to be set up before the brokerage accounts for active day trading activities are open and utilized? Great question. And that gets into the, some of the details that we have to talk about is when you form an entity, you're going to have to form a brand new trading account. Because what happens when you form an entity like a multi-member LLC, you get or need to get an EIN, an employer identification number from the IRS. That's like the business's social security number. And then new trading accounts have to be set up under that because the IRA, if you trade under your personal account, that's where it's going to have to be reported on your personal side. Remember, we talked about getting that off your personal tax return. So if your, your uh, trading accounts are under your personal social security number, that's going on your personal account, period, uh, personal tax return. So you have to set it up under the business side. Um, that is one of the caveats here. There's a little bit of work that has to be done. Uh, so you would have to open up new brokerage accounts and then start trading. Keep in mind the LLC starts the day it's formed in the state. And so and you have to start up new trading accounts. You can't take it backwards. There, there's no way you can go backwards. Um, so your trading right now is under your personal accounts. Um, so you start an LLC right now, we can get it to start, let's say at the end of January, beginning of February, but right now you're trading under your personal account. So you have some of those issues still going on. Uh, next question <clears throat> on wash sales. Uh, does it matter in an IRA or 401k account versus a taxable account? Um, <clears throat> actually IRAs and 401ks are completely separate as far as pensions. Uh, this stuff does not apply. You don't have wash sales in an IRA or an, a, 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 a 401k. Now, that's another problem actually that, that brings up here, and I didn't go into this. It is possible that when you're trading in an IRA or 401k, and you've got personal trading accounts, money, your own money accounts, if you want to call it cash accounts, some people call it outside of that, you can create uh, wash sales by what you do in the IRA. The wash sales not in the IRA or the 401k, but they can be created in your personal trading account. And so there's issues there that those are linked together. That's another reason for forming an entity is you keep your IRAs and your 401ks on your personal side. You can't do anything with them anyway. You trade in them, but if you've got cash accounts, get them into a multi-member LLC and then you don't have that wash sale stuff. <clears throat> okay, hopefully it answered that. Um, a buy right index taxed. Uh, it depends on about as far as indices, 
it depends on what's showing up on your statement. If you've got two different um, uh, transactions there, that's going to be two different trades. Um, a, a lot of this is how your broker, and if your broker is going to record it under normal accounting rules. And so that's actually kind of a question for them. However, if you go mark to market, then this stuff doesn't matter at all because you don't care about individual trades. It's just your market valuation at the beginning, market valuation at the end. You don't care about individual trades. It doesn't matter what happened in the middle, except for accounting for uh, contributions and stuff like that. Any suggestion on how singles can form a multi-member LLC? Yeah, I'll go back through it again. Um, one, you could find a family member that's willing to take, let's say, 1% of the profits. And the, really, the tax implications are minimal to them if, if you can do that. Uh, you can also set up a family trust. The beneficiary could be anybody in your family. You could have nieces, nephews, uh, your own kids, or even um, uh, anybody really in your family. You could set up a trust. Uh, that would be 1%. And again, this is paper. So the money doesn't actually have to be paid into the trust. You can keep it all in the trading and keep building that up. That's just when you pass away, the trust then gets 1% of all the earnings they've earned. Um, there are other complicated ways of doing it. You could have a single member LLC and a multi-member LLC. And the single member LLC could be a partner with you in the multi-member LLC. That's how it could get done. <clears throat> Other people have uh, already businesses like uh, 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 single member LLCs or other multi-member LLCs, S-Corps, uh, C-Corps, things like that, those can be the second partner. So there's a lot of ways to get it done. And we've helped a lot of single people actually form multi-member LLCs. And I've used the first three, and usually that's enough. Uh, the, the, <clears throat> the, the partner, the family member, or the trust, or the additional single member LLC. Um, all of those work really well. Um, <clears throat> wash sales do not exist. Okay, next sales, wash sales not tracked on crypto. Wash sales do not exist for crypto at this point. Um, so when you're talking about mark to market, there's a belief that crypto could apply, be applied to mark to market, or mark to market could be applied to crypto. Um, but there's no wash sale, so it loses that benefit there. So the only reason for putting crypto into mark to market is for the loss protection that uh, gets around that $3,000 loss limitation. <clears throat> now, I think I suspect that if uh, Congress or the Treasury Department ever gets their hands on crypto and starts defining some things, uh, they may want to treat crypto like uh, stocks and options. But as of right now, it's just straight gain or loss, no wash sales. Okay, uh, any other questions before I turn this back over um, to our hosts here? Anybody? We'll wait a few seconds. All right, well, I'm going to stop sharing my screen right now. And then, um, David, are you back?